become uh, holy. And as, uh, as Brother Rigney preached this morning about, uh, about what it is to be a Christian and how to know that you're a Christian in that third point about obedience. And um, if we don't obey him and we say we are a Christian, we are a liar. liar. I'll steal from him. You said it, not me. So you said it, not him. Uh, but uh, um, obedience to God is the hallmark of how that we know that we're a Christian. And um, it affects every area of our lives. As we are obedient and doing what God says that we need to do, that is a, also a hallmark of holiness. And as we become more holy, we'll be more obedient. And as we're more obedient, we'll become holier. And we are um, commanded to be holy. 1 Peter 1.16 says, Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. This is not an option. It's a command to Christians. So let's read together 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5-7. through 7. My hope is that by the time we get through this, um, and have read it um, eight or nine times as we go through it, uh, that perhaps you'll even uh, memorize these verses. So let's read out loud together, please. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. So we've been going through this now for a few weeks and um, talking about these different traits. And the reason I call it Paul uh, Peter's pers- uh, um, uh, recipe for holiness is because as we follow a recipe, we start with some ingredients and it says add this and add this and add this. And so Peter here says to add these things. And we started out looking at the very foundation of holiness, which is faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And if we are not saved, if we don't have a saving faith, we cannot be holy. It's just, there there is no way that that an unsaved person can be holy or can be uh, godly and can can follow God. They they are um, dead to to Christ. So we looked at the the, um, traits of faith. Um, and, the, and the facts of faith, we, we said there's three elements of saving faith. First of all, the facts. You know in your head that all have sinned. We know that sin must be punished, and we know that Jesus Christ paid the punishment for our sin. So that's the first element of faith is that head knowledge. But then the second element is taking that head knowledge and moving it to our heart, where I know that I'm a sinner, I know that my sin must be punished, and I know that Jesus Christ paid the penalty for my sin. And then the third element of that is trusting those facts and actually um, putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and saying, because I'm a sinner and because my sin must be punished, I acknowledge that you paid the the penalty for my sin, and I'm, I'm putting my faith and trust in Jesus Christ to save me. And so that was the first trait, faith. And then to that faith, then Peter says we need to add um, virtue. We talked about the virtuous woman and uh, the different traits of a virtuous woman, being gentle, being mature, being strong, being a teacher, and being productive. And we talked about the virtuous man and being a man of good moral character and that virtuous men love their wives 
They provide for their families and they raise their children in love. And then we discussed the third uh, uh, ingredient um, and that of knowledge. Add to your um, virtue knowledge. We said knowledge is a divine gift. That knowledge, that we should desire knowledge and that knowledge is precious. And then last Sunday we examined the fourth ingredient, that being temperance. The root word of the word temperance is the word temper. And we said that um, temper typically is thought of in a negative way. We think of children having temper tantrums or we describe somebody as, as having a bad temper. Um, but there are some other um, meanings to the word temper. It can also mean strengthened. We talked about tempered glass and tempered steel and how the heating and cooling of those um, makes them stronger. And it was used in 1 Corinthians 12, 24 when it says, but God hath tempered the body together. He strengthens the body. Um, and that is one use of the word temperance. It can also be in regards, uh, used in regards to cooking and in um, pottery making. So the, the Greek word there is engratia. Um, Thayer's definition of virtue was, or of uh, temperance was it's a uh, self-control, the virtue of one who masters his desires and passions, especially his sensual appetites. We said that temperance is a fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Um, we said that uh, temperance, we control our desires, and we got a, a little into the weeds here because um, as uh, Brother Rigney you know, mentioned this morning, it's just God's word. I'm just the messenger. But I was preaching to myself when I said we, you know, we, we think of that uh, very common passage um, in Proverbs 23, 1 and 2, when thou sittest to eat with a ruler, consider diligently what is before thee, and put a knife to thy throat if thou be a man given to appetite. And I am a man given to appetite. And uh, so, but we do need to control um, uh, our desires. Um, we talked about uh, lusts in Romans 13, 11 through 14, and we're not to make any provision for the flesh. And that uh, lust is not always just a, uh, 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 in a, uh, sexual type of connotation, but lust can be anything that we desire that is a, a uh, an improper desire, and we can des we can want those things, and we lust after them. And so, uh, we need to make sure that we are not lusting after things that we should not be lusting after. Who should practice temperance? We said there were specifically um, pastors, deacons, the aged men, the spiritual leaders um, uh, in the church. Um, practicing temperance um, and being a good example to the younger uh, men and the aged women. And then why we should practice temperance and self-control? Philippians 4, 5 says, Let your moderation or temperance be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. We are getting ready for the return of our Lord and Savior. And we want to be like those wise virgins who had the oil in their lamps and they were ready. And uh, we discussed the, uh, the, the imagery of the oil and the lamp. Uh, very briefly, but we need to make sure that we are ready and prepared and uh, to meet Jesus Christ when he comes back for us. So today um, we talked, uh, we'll take the next ingredient, which is patience. And we said temperance was dealing with what is inside of us. Patience is how we respond to things that come from outside of us. And so we deal with ourselves in temperance. We are dealing with um, outside influence in patience. 
Patience deals with what comes from the outside. In Webster's Dictionary, 1828 Dictionary, it says uh, it defines patience as a calm temper which bears evils without murmuring or discontent. The word patience is used 35 times in the New Testament. Six times it's variations of the Greek word makros. And it's used to describe waiting, just being patient, standing in line and waiting at the supermarket or at the DMV office or whatever. Matthew 18 talks about a, a servant that, um, that owed money to, uh, uh, to his master. And he said, be patient with me. I will pay you everything that I owe you. That's that makros, that, that just, um, if you'll be patient, if you'll wait, I'll give you everything that, that I owe you. 29 times, it's the Greek word, huponome. Um, Thayer's d uh, dictionary defines this as steadfastness or endurance. He says, in the New Testament, the characteristic of a man who is not swerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith and piety by even the greatest trials and sufferings. It's a patient, steadfast waiting for. Um, it's just the idea of no matter what, no matter what happens to me, I'm waiting. I'm looking for uh, Jesus Christ to come back, and I'm not going to waver no matter what happens to me. All of these words, the Greek words for patience, um, they all have very similar meanings, and they're pretty much interchangeable. When we think of patience, we kind of think of it in, in one way as, um, as English speakers. Um, but there are nuances in these words, and there are nuances in those Greek words, just like we have some nuances in words here in, in English also. One example that I thought of was the words push and shove. We kind of interchange those words. Somebody may, might say, well, he, you know, he pushed me. And somebody else might say, he shoved me. They, we, we get the idea of the same picture. But if you, if you go a, a little nuanced with those words, a push tends to be more, we think of as more gentle by definition. You could push a stroller. And, and many of you mothers and some of you fathers did push a stroller. Um, you could push something and, and actually be like um, when you're moving furniture and you put your hands on it and you push it and you move it away. But we think of a shove as being violent, as somebody just shoving someone and knocking them down or knocking them backwards. Um, and so even though those words are used interchangeably, they can have different meanings depending on how they're used. And so um, in the New Testament, there are a few different words used for the word patience. And while they all kind of give the same idea, there are some nuances in there, and we'll talk about those as we go by. But in, um, uh, in our passage here in 2 Peter chapter 1, um, this word patience is that Greek word huponomai, which is used um, 29 times. So what we'll look at today is what is patience. And what I want you to do now is just turn over with me to James. We'll get out of um, 1 Peter. Turn back to James and chapter 5. So you're going to go back maybe just one page or so. Or, well, after 1 Peter, sorry. 1 Peter, 2 Peter, they're the same. James chapter 5 and verses 7 through 11. James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11. Be patient, therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord, behold, the husbandman waiteth for the uh, precious fruit 
of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord, for an example of suffering affliction and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure." Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of, uh, of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. How many times do we see the word patience um, and uh, some of its other uh, usages here in just these few verses? In fact, of the um, six times that the word um, uh, the, the Greek words for patience are used in the New Testament that are not um, our word huponime. Um, most of them are right here in those verses that we, that we just read. And so um, patience, first of all, is waiting. Verse 7 says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. That Greek word, Patience is makruthumeo, um, makruthumeo, and it literally just means to wait, um, but you're expecting. So we expect the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're waiting for him, and we have this expectant waiting as a farmer waits for rain. Peter made the, the reference to um, Deuteronomy when he says the, the first rain and the latter rain, and God had promised the children of Israel that if they obeyed him and followed his laws, that he would provide the, the former rain and the latter rain and, and give them good crops and meet their needs and take care of all that they had to do if they obeyed him. And Peter references this. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments. 1 John 5, 3 says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. We are obedient. We're waiting just as the farmer waits for the rain. James used the reference um, to Deuteronomy which speaks of loving and obeying God. And if we truly love God, if we truly um, want to live for him, we will be obeying him as we expectantly wait for his return. So firstly, patience is waiting. Secondly, patience is preparation time. Verse 8 is... Another use of the word, um, this one is makrothumeo, just slightly different than the other one, or it's the same word as the one in verse 7. But he goes on to say, establish your hearts, which is to turn resolutely, unwavering, and in a certain direction. And so when we turn towards the Lord, and we are 
standing steadfastly, we stay there. We don't turn back. We don't go back to uh, looking at the way, the way things were before. We put our, our trust in him. We are waiting for him. And we are going to stand steadfast in waiting for him. Verse 8 says, Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Again, as we're, we're being patient, we're waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. Unwaveringly, Dr. Bob Jones said, do right till the stars fall. No matter what, no matter what faces us, no matter what challenges we experience, no matter what Satan throws at us, we obey. We stand steadfast. We keep facing one direction, and we're watching for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're preparing ourselves for his return. And then thirdly, patience is not grudging in verse 9. Now, James kind of sticks this in there. Um, he says, uh, not to murmur against your fellow Christians. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. And it kind of seems a little um, out of place with him talking about patience and waiting. But while we're waiting, we need to be unified with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to be having a good attitude and be strengthening one another through temperance, that the body would be strengthened. And as we stand together, we hold one another up in a good attitude and in unity and not murmuring and not um, uh, grudging, begrudging our brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to be um, preparing for his return together and staying uh, staying true to um, being, being watchful and not being grudging. And then endurance. Patience is endurance in verses 10 and 11. In verse 10, just a slight different uh, use of that word. It's makrithumea. So the other one was, um, I have a hard time pronouncing that one, makrithumea. This one is makrithumea, um, when he uses the word patience in verse 10. And he says, take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Makrithumea. Um, and then in verse 11, when he says endure, this is uh, back to our word that... Um, that Peter uses in 2 Peter chapter 1, and that is hupomeno. Um, <laughs> and Brother Mike knows, I was a missionary, missions major, so I didn't have to take Greek. So um, my, my Greek's coming out of the Strong's Exhaustive, and I'm trying to remember some of the little, I actually did take some Greek in high school, believe it or not, but um, that was a long time ago. Um, and so we're, we're back to uh, the same word that he uses in, um, in, first, in 2 Peter, um, ch verse, uh, chapter 1 and verse 6. Hupanameo. Literally, this is um, two words put together. That's the word hupo, which is a place, and meno, which is to stay. So this is the word hupanameo, to stay in place, to stand, to stand firm. And um, in verse 11, he, he tells us, he says, um, 
Behold, we count them happy which endure. This word endure is hupamineo. To stand in place, to, to be firm and resolute and to stay there and do that. And watch and wait for uh, the return of the Lord. And then um, in, as it goes on in, in uh, verse 6 of 2 Peter, the word hupomene, it's a, a variation and the idea of joyful endurance. And that word is used um, in the second usage there in verse 11. He says, behold, we count them to happy which endure. That's hupomeneo. And then ye have heard of the patience of Job, hupomene. So just a slight variation of that word. And it, in, it has the idea of being joyfully enduring and waiting with joy. Um, the reference here to Job, and we all know that, that Job suffered some extremely strong um, trials and everything but his life was taken from him by Satan with the approval of God. And Job was tempted and tried and tested uh, probably more than anybody else ever that has been on the face of this earth. And yet through it, he stayed true. He didn't waver. He um, kept his eye on the Lord. And we actually have this phrase that comes here from, um, from the book of James. You've heard of the patience of Job. And we talk about people, somebody who goes through great trials, and we say, man, he has the patience of Job. It's used as a reference to this very day um, in, in our own uh, lives as we talk about somebody being patient. Patience and endurance are almost identical. James 1, 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Count it all joy. That's that joyful steadfastness when you are going through temptations and trials, that you stay strong, but you stay strong in an attitude of joy. You have the right um, attitude because we know that God is faithful and he's going to bring us through that. That's that word, huponame. Um, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. We're to endure. We're to stand fast. We're to be fixed in place and joyfully enduring what we have to go through in the face of trials and temptations, the buffeting of Satan. And last week, Pastor Burcham um, talked about Satan buffeting us and just um, constantly just the, the waves pounding against our ship and just uh, bringing things at us to discourage us, to, to, to cause us to lose faith. And that buffeting that comes from Satan, from the outside, we need to be patient. We need to stand firm. We need to endure. We need to joyfully endure. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast, in the faith, unwavering, 
We know he's going to come at us. We know he's going to attack us. We know he's going to throw things at us to try to, to, to break our resolve, to try to get us to give up. But we need to be steadfast. We need to be patient. We need to joyfully endure and keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ in his return. James references Job. Um, we um, can see through what happened to Job that the Lord is faithful. And, and uh, James says he's very pitiful and tender of mercy. That's another word that kind of has two connotations depending on how you're using it. Boy, that steak they put in front of me was pitiful. <laughs> uh, I expected some meat, you know, like where's the beef? But so it can have that connotation. It's really, it's not good. But in this connotation, it's full of pity. He is full of pity. He has pity on us. He cares about us. He knows our um, trials. He knows our needs. He knows what we're going through. He knows what we're going to go through tomorrow. He knows what we're going to go through next week. He knows what we're going to go through next year if the Lord tarries. And that's why we just need to stand firm, be patient, and be joyful. Because not only is he full of pity, but he's full of tender mercy. He has mercy on us. He cares about us and takes care of us. If we are obedient, if we keep the faith, if we're patient, if we're steadfast, if we're unmovable, then we can be joyful because we know it's all in God's hands. And he is pitiful and he is full of mercy and we can rest in the fact that he will take care of us and bring us out the other side. Be patient. Be patient. Don't let anything that's coming at you, that Satan's throwing at you, those fiery darts that he throws at us, don't worry about them. Keep your eyes on Christ. Stand firm. Be faithful. Be steadfast. Be patient. And be joyful. Father, we thank you for your word.